You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 177, and in just a moment, I'm going to be answering the question, is it appropriate to ever have women uh, preaching or speaking within the church context or on Sunday morning. I actually teased this topic uh, several episodes back, and I, I kind of, you know, I promised that I would do uh, this topic or that I would address this topic. And I did mention that I do believe there are some moments where it is appropriate to have a woman uh, preaching or teaching in, in certain capacities, and and I'm excited to talk about that here in this episode. I'm going to elaborate quite a bit on what I think the Bible tells us uh, about this particular topic and how I believe uh, the Scriptures address this question. Hey, before we dive into the content, uh, a few quick items to remind everyone. I actually have another podcast called the Student Ministry Podcast. Um, it's really designed to be a, a source of inspiration as well as uh, you know resourceful to anyone serving in student ministry or youth ministry of any kind. So I highly encourage you, if you're working in student ministry, check it out. Or if you know someone that works in student ministry, uh, why don't you tell them about it? Hopefully that could be a, a great a great resource to them. The easiest way to find it is actually uh, on the web. Go to our website. It's studentministrypodcast.com. Hey, a few other quick items before we dive into the content. Just a reminder to everyone about the importance of being subscribed. Whenever you are subscribed to the podcast, it uh, guarantees every episode gets delivered directly to your device. So if you're streaming this at our website, theologyfortherestofus.com, you can click on any one of those scripts, uh, subscription buttons, and that'll take you over to the place where it's easy to subscribe. And the other thing I want to mention is the importance of reviews. Uh, good reviews are a big, big help. Basically, the more good reviews we have, uh, the more people the podcast will reach. And so if you want to give back to the show, it's a big, big help. Leave a review. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. All right, let's dive into the topic at hand. Is it okay to have women preaching? Um, over the last several episodes, for those of you who have been tracking with me, uh, you know that I've covered a variety of topics related to gender roles. So basically, I started in episode 171 and went all the way through 176. Uh, talked about complementarianism, talked about egalitarianism, uh, talked about feminism, talked about gender roles, talked about whether or not um, women... Uh, should change their names when they get married, and and then in the last episode uh, we hit on Deborah, uh, the prophetess and judge from the Old Testament that God used in a profound way, um, and then the episode that I I kind of teased uh, this topic in episode one seventy four, I answered the question: Should women be allowed to be pastors? And in that episode I said I said I was going to answer the question in two separate ways. In that episode I really focused in on the office of pastor or elder, the the official position of of vocational minister or office of elder, the the primary shepherd leader of a local church congregation, whether or not women should be called or allowed to step into that role, and um, and, and I believe as we look through the scripture. Uh, as we look and as we examine God's design for the genders in in the first you know first two chapters of Genesis, um, as well as as we see that the pattern of leadership throughout the course of the Old Testament, and then of course as we look in the New Testament, the the pattern of leadership established in the New Testament, and then as we look at passages of Scripture, particularly First Timothy two, it becomes clear to me that God's moral inclination, His 
preference. His desire is to have men step into the role of elder and to hold that position. Uh, and the Apostle Paul made it clear that he doesn't allow women to step into that role because he believes it is God's preference to have men. And again, as I said in the previous episode, this is this is not a desire to oppress women, but more of a calling upon men. And I gave a kind of a silly metaphor in that episode. I'll, I'll give it again if you haven't listened to it. Um, but again, if I walk into a restaurant and I order a chicken sandwich, it, it is not because I hate the pork sandwich, right? Or if I walk in and order a steak, it's not because I hate the fish. It's because I have a, a desire in that moment for a particular thing, right? So if I walk in and order a steak, it's not because I'm trying to oppress the chicken. It's because I have a desire to call upon the steak to fulfill my preference in that moment. And I believe that God is doing that in this age, that God is calling upon men in the church age, in this season of, of human history, calling upon men to step into the role of elder and to lay down their lives in a sacro, in a sacrificial manner to, for the betterment of the church, for the growth of the church, uh, for the for the health of the body of Christ. I think that is God's desire and calling upon men. Again, not that God is oppressing women and not that God is saying women can't do it, but I think God is telling us that he desires or prefers for men to do it and that we uh, as, as leaders in the church ought to structure the church in line with God's ideal desires. So we ought to reserve the office of elder for men only. Now, with all that said, I do not believe that the only preaching that should ever be done is to only be done by men. There are, there are types of preaching that should be reserved for men, but there are types of preaching that could be open to both men and women. Why do I believe that? Well, I think there is clearly a form of preaching that's not appropriate for women. We see that in 1 Timothy 2, right? Paul is making the point women should not be uh, exercising authority over men within the church context. They should not be the primary leaders within the church context. They should not be teaching from the platform or position of authority. We call this didactic teaching. That's the authoritative teaching. The person that gets up uh, and kind of sets forth what the doctrine is and how we will guard the doctrine. What is the vision of the church? How we will guard the vision of the church. That the person that is doing the authoritative teaching to the body of Christ ought to be an elder or a qualified man. That that's what we get from first from First Timothy chapter two. So there's a type of preaching that we should reserve only for the men. However, there are several moments within the life of a church where I believe it's appropriate to have women step in and do some forms of teaching. I think there are definitely lots of arenas outside of the Sunday morning service where women can teach. And I do think there are some arenas within the Sunday morning service where a woman could teach and speak. Let, let, let's hit the first one. The idea that women should never speak with, throughout the course of the life of a church is simply silly to me because 1 Timothy 2 restricts women from preaching authoritatively to adult men. But how many cases are there where where there will be moments where there are no adult men in the room. Like I think about children's ministry or student ministry. I think about women's ministry. Like the Bible doesn't say women should never preach. It's just it's just restricting the preaching to adult men. So if you have an audience that is uh, both uh, you know where there's adult men and adult women, then then that should be reserved uh, for male eldership. However, 75% of the world's population are not adult men. 75% of the world's population are, are children or people that are still under the authority of their parents or women. 
There's a lot of opportunity. I think sometimes we focus on what women can't do rather than focusing on what women can do. Any place where there is, you know, where, the, where there where there is an opportunity to preach to to young people, children, or other women is a place where we can invite women to come in and to preach and teach and to do it in a didactic manner, to do it even in an authoritative manner, right? First Timothy 2 doesn't restrict that. First Timothy 2 is restricting the overall didactic authoritative teaching from the from the position of elder or within a within a context where there are adult men in the room. But that is not what First Timothy 2, or excuse me, First Timothy 2 is not restricting all forms of teaching and preaching, and it is not restricting um, didactic teaching from women if the audience are other women or children or younger people. Now, there is a gray area there, you know, when it comes to youth groups or middle school, things like nature, and go, well, should women be allowed to preach to teenagers? And I I do think it's gray, and I will concede that. I think it's kind of fuzzy. However, here's here's how I can see that. I, I said this in my interview with Courtney Reisick back in episode 172. If someone is still under the authority of their mother, of their parents, then I don't consider them a man on their own. And in that case, I have no problem with them being under the didactic preaching of a woman. And so if you are a teenager and your mother still does your laundry and you're living at home, even if you're a college student and you're still dependent on your on your parents and your mama at home, um, listen, you're not a man quite, just quite yet, okay? You're not quite there yet. You will get there soon, hopefully. That's exciting, but you're not quite there yet. So I don't have an issue uh, allowing women to, to preach in those contexts. In fact, I have invited women on many occasions in my youth ministry experiences to have women preaching to teenagers. In fact, I, I find it very valuable to have a woman preaching and speaking uh, in a variety of ways in you know, in a variety of contexts within the life of a church uh, when there are children or teenagers in the room. I have no problem with that. I think it's very valuable for uh, for young people to hear from a woman speaking and communicating because they will hear so little from women in a communicate or public setting, you know, in those, those sort of settings uh, for the rest of their life. They're going to hear so little from women voices. I think it's very valuable from the hear uh, from a female voice, from a, from a female to influence their lives in that way. I think that's perfectly appropriate and that doesn't betray First Timothy 2 whatsoever. Now, if you're listening to this and you would say, no, Kenny, I disagree. I think teenage boys should be considered men. Then that's fine. Don't have a woman preach to them. You and I are just going to have to, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that in that particular area. Um, The second area where I think we can invite women to come and speak are forms of communication on a Sunday morning. And this is, this is even more gray than the youth group question. This is very gray, very fuzzy. And I do recognize there are, there are a lot of people that would agree with me on 1 Timothy 2, that would call themselves complementarian, but yet would disagree with me on maybe how I handle this particular question or how I apply it on a Sunday morning. As I look through the scriptures, I, I see that there are uh, that there are going to be forms of speaking, forms of teaching that I think God is totally okay with, and that I think not only is he okay with it, but he's actually hoping for it and wanting it. Why do I say this? Well, as we do know, as I've already quoted multiple times, 1 Timothy 2 does say uh, that I do not permit a woman to teach or speak. But but the same guy who wrote 1 Timothy 2 is the same guy that wrote 1 Corinthians 11. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he is writing uh, with the expectation that there will be women prophesying and praying within the church. He says, listen, whenever a woman prophesies or prays, she should do so in this way. And he he kind of outlines how a woman ought to go about 
prophesying and preaching. And I would encourage you, or excuse me, prophesying and praying. I would encourage you, go back and read 1 Corinthians 11. Read it carefully. Read it thoroughly. Really ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to us here, Lord? Read what the Apostle Paul wrote there. And it seems to me that the Apostle Paul expects women to be prophesying and praying. We're going to go over what those two words mean in just a moment. It doesn't say if by chance a woman ever does it. He is saying when a woman does this, when a woman is praying and prophesying, she ought to do it. And he talks about having her head covered, which is a symbol of being under authority. You can go again, read that and study that. But the point I want to make, the point that stands out to me in this passage is that there's an expectation that the women would be would be doing something in the public service. Now, when you actually study the words prophecy and praying there, you actually see that doesn't quite mean what we often think it means. Now, the word praying does talk about public prayer. So Paul is making the point that, hey, when the church is gathered together, if a woman gets up and leads the congregation in prayer, here's some instructions and prescriptions on how she ought to do that. So the expectation is that women ought to be getting up and and leading the congregation in prayer. It shouldn't just be the male leaders, but that women should be on the stage up up front leading the congregation in prayer in the in the in the context of a Sunday morning church service or a, you know whatever gathered church service your church does. That that is not inappropriate, but it's actually expected. Also, when you look at the word pray, praying there and you read through the context of this passage, it also leads to this idea of kind of it's almost sort of a, a, a worshipful attitude that I don't think it's just a matter of women leading the congregation in prayer, but leading the con- congregation in sort of sort of coming before the Lord, which would lead me to believe that, that a worship leading role, you know, in our modern context, we have worship leading roles, a music song service minister or worship leader. I, I think, I think it's potential for a woman uh, that, you know, in that context to be standing up and being a part of the worship service. So I don't have an issue with a woman worship leader, you know, singing and leading the congregation of worship um, as long as she is, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, to, you know, serving under the authority of the eldership, which would be the, the male elders of that church. But if the male elders of that church are, you know, if, or if there is a male elder that is shepherding the worship team and, and the planning of that, I have no problem with a woman being kind of the face of that on a Sunday morning, her getting up and leading the congregation to worship and praying and encouraging the congregation to, to pray uh, and, and to worship the Lord. There, there's nothing in the Bible that would seem to forbid a woman from doing that or playing some of those types of roles. The other thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that seems to be expected, again, it's not an if, maybe, it's when this happens. There's an expectation that we should be seeing this happen on a regular basis, that when a woman prophesies, she should make sure she's doing it, again, following the instructions that Paul gives there in 1 Corinthians 11. Now, what does the word prophecy mean there? Now, there's a whole segment of Christianity within American, you know, modern Christianity that would say prophecy means to foretell the future. But, but if we actually study that, that's not what it means. And I covered this extensively back in episode 87. I answered the question, what is prophecy? Um, with all love and respect to my charismatic brethren, um, that's not what that means here. When you study this passage and you study what that word means, the word prophecy there simply means to get up and speak boldly on behalf of God. 
Now, sometimes it may be that you have a word of knowledge. Sometimes it may be some sort of, um, you know, what we would often refer to as a prophetic understanding of the future. Like that could be involved potentially. But the word prophecy here in 1 Corinthians 11 is much larger than that. It's a much larger category. It's much more holistic than that. Basically, anytime someone gets up in front of the congregation and speaks boldly on behalf of God, anytime a person gets up in front of the congregation and is 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 speaking words of truth of any kind, that could be labeled prophecy. Okay? I want to make that very clear. So that means there again, there are different there's a bunch of different forms of prophecy. If a woman gets up in front of the congregation and gives a testimony, you know, a story or something that happens to happen to her over the course of the week that that demonstrated the grace or power of God in her life, reminded her about how good God is. That's a form of prophecy, right? She is speaking in a way to to present truth. So is it would it be inappropriate for a woman to get up and to give a testimony about you know, on a Sunday morning in church that that is reminding the congregation about about truths that she learned or was reminded about? Well, as I look at 1 Corinthians 11, that seems to be expected. And as I look at 1 Timothy 2, that doesn't seem to forbade it, right? 1 Timothy 2 says that women should not be doing the authoritative preaching, but it doesn't say that they shouldn't be doing any form of teaching, right? There are a variety of forms of teaching, a variety of forms of prophecy. 1 Timothy 2 is only restricting one form of it. That makes sense. Like, again, it's hard to follow sometimes when you're doing audio, but there are forms of teaching forms of speaking that are absolutely appropriate. So I think there may be moments where we can have a woman get up on a Sunday morning and and do some speaking or teaching that would not necessarily fall into the category of being didactic or authoritative. Now, there are a variety of other things a woman could do on a Sunday morning that would also be perfectly appropriate. Let's say your church does communion every Sunday. If a woman were to get up and and introduce communion, we do this at our church where uh, you know an elder is typically up and we're having communion and and the elder kind of reminds the congregation, hey, here's what communion is about. Reminder before we do it. And we take communion together. Uh, typically that's an elder, but I don't think it has to be an elder. I I think it would be appropriate to have a woman, you know, if you if your church wants to, you could have a woman get up there and talk about communion, explain communion, and why we do communion. And she's basically that would be prophesying. That's what First Corinthians eleven talk about. She's getting up and speaking boldly on behalf of God. God instituted the institution or the ordinance of communion. And here's why we do it. Here's a reminder of the truth behind this. Now, is she doing didactic teaching in that moment? Well, the answer is no, because the elders have already determined how we do communion. The elders have already determined what is our belief, our doctrine about communion. What do we believe, uh, what do we, how, how do we believe communion ought to be determined um, uh, or participated in? How should it be administered? The elders made a decision and they set it forth. If a woman gets up and talks Talks about it and is is executing upon the plan that the elders have set forth, or if she gets up and she is teaching the doctrine that the elders have already set forth, well, she's doing so under the authority of the eldership. Well, in that case, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I don't see anything in scripture that would restrict that woman from getting up on a Sunday morning and doing kind of a, a mini teaching about communion in that moment. And I think there are a variety of things, whether that be before worship, 
uh, you know, the worship song portion of your service, whether that be a call to worship, uh, maybe even a form of benediction or announcement, uh, or maybe even a sub point. Like I've seen this before where elders are preaching on a Sunday morning, they are doing didactic teaching or preaching, and then maybe, you know, maybe they've got two or three points in their sermon, and in one of those points, they would call a woman up to kind of share uh, something she'd learn as, again, as a form to reiterate or to amplify a point they're making. And again, that woman is being invited to, to come and speak and teach, to prophesy, right, as 1 Corinthians 11 says, to prophesy as a part of the sermon, but she's doing so under the tutelage, under the leadership of the elder that has invited her into that. And so I don't see a restriction upon that. Now, some people would say any form of teaching of any kind is absolutely inappropriate. And as I look at 1 Corinthians 11, I don't, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that I quite see it that way. I think that the primary didactic authoritative teachings should be done by the male elders. And on occasion, in some rare cases, uh, the male deacons, qualified male deacons that are maybe being trained to be future elders. I think that's kind of, that should be reserved for that. But again, any form of speaking or teaching that doesn't fall under the category of, of absolute didactic authoritative teaching I think could potentially be available for women. So again, in summary, I think uh, women can preach didactically and authoritatively to other women, to children, to young people that are still under the authority of their own parents. Um, I think that is perfectly appropriate. And I believe that women can speak and teach and communicate to men or to a church service where there are adult men, as long as she is not doing the primary didactic teaching and as long as she is doing so under the authority of the eldership that have invited her uh, to step into that particular role. I think that is a wide range of opportunities for lots and lots of women to, to use the gift of teaching and speaking. So that leaves us with one other question that you might be asking yourself, and that is, well, how do we determine what is absolutely didactic and what is not? And I will concede again that it is fuzzy. It is gray. It is very gray, in fact. So where do we draw the line? Well, I believe that's up to the elders of the local church. I believe that each local church, um, their eldership, those qualified men come together to collaborate, discuss, argue, pray, fast, whatever, and really amongst themselves determine Okay, what is absolutely didactic and what is not? The problem is we have two extremes going on in many churches. We have some churches that say women can do anything, it doesn't matter, let them speak in whatever regard, it doesn't matter. We have other churches saying, no, they shouldn't do anything at all. And, and there's very few churches that kind of live in a healthy middle ground. And my challenge to all elders and pastors and church leaders is to, to sort of live on the kind of in the center of biblical tension, to really come together and, and prayerfully consider, prayerfully discuss, collaboratively discuss and say, okay, what is didactic and what is not? And do we have women in our congregation that clearly have uh, the gift of teaching that we ought to invite and to do some things within the church setting? Are there moments where we can invite them in? Again, it's going to be very case by case from church to church and where one church draws a line and another church draws a line may be different and you know what I'm okay with that that doesn't bother me right? the scripture's a little fuzzy so it's okay if the churches interpret it slightly differently I'm totally cool with that I'm totally okay with that as long as the elders are being faithful to the text and they're being honest and prayerful as they collaborate and make those decisions. If one church says they women should never speak, I think that's a wrong way to approach it. And if if one church says women can always do whatever they want, 
I think that's a wrong way to approach it as well. We have to understand 1 Timothy 2 clearly tells us there is a form of communication that is inappropriate, that is outside of God's ideal design. It is not God's preference for women to step into this role. And then there's another form of communication that is perfectly acceptable for women to step into, and we ought to invite them into it, and that it is expected that they step into those roles, forms of, of, of corporate prayer and leading us in worship and, and forms of prophecy and testimonies and things of that nature. There's a form of communication that is inappropriate and there's a form of communication that is totally appropriate. And the elders need, need to come together and prayerfully consider which is, which is appropriate and which is not for their local church context. Now, I know that sounds like I just kind of dodged the question a little bit, so I don't want to dodge it. I have been asked, people have asked me, what about you? If you were the decision maker, what would you do? Where would you draw the line? And I'll tell you this, I hope to never be in a position where I am the only decision maker because I believe all pastors and elders should function in plurality. There should be a group of qualified men in a room arguing and collaborating and praying together. Right? That should be. I should not be the only decision maker. However, if I were in that room, here's what I would probably tell the other elders that I was collaborating with and prayerfully arguing with. I would say, gentlemen, I don't know where to draw the line, so my preference would probably be let's reserve all sermon preaching on Sunday morning for male elders and maybe only those male deacons that we are that we are training up to be future elders. Um, let's primary be male elders there. Let's definitely invite women into anything else on a Sunday morning. So whether that be communion, uh, whether that be potentially even being involved in baptisms, uh, worship leading, uh, prayer, scripture readings, uh, maybe even benediction, certainly announcements or logistical things like that. Um, I think all those sorts of things. I think even inviting women to give testimonies, um, maybe even inviting women into being a part of the sermon, maybe you know, like I said earlier, a, a, a preacher kind of inviting a woman to come in and do a one point or a sub point or kind of a tag team sermon. Like, you know, again, where where he is the clear leader and she's complimenting him and helping him in that regard. I think that could be potential. Like, I would be okay with that. But but what I probably, probably would lean against or, or lean away from would be inviting a woman to be the primary Sunday morning sermon preacher. Now, do I think it would be wrong to do that? Do, do I... Not necessarily. I think there are potential moments where it might be okay to have a woman do that. I just think it's really gray and it's really fuzzy. And since I'm not 100% sure, I probably would stay away from it because I want to kind of, I want to make sure I play, I play it safe, so to speak. That if God has made it clear in his scripture that the didactic teaching is very sacred and should be for the male elders, then I think we ought to take that very, very seriously and very sacredly. But I think we ought to be really considering and looking for ways to invite women into speaking and teaching and to utilize their gifts for the betterment of the body of Christ. And then in addition to that, we ought to be looking for a variety of ways outside of the Sunday morning sermon preaching, whether it be different classes or a Sunday school class or small groups or Bible studies, or I think there's a variety of places, children's ministry, student ministry, I think there's a variety of place where where it's not didactic teaching happening where the elders can invite women to step into. Again, it's going to be case by case. It's going to vary significantly from church to church. And there, there's a lot of gray, a lot of fuzzy area there. But I think, I think if we try to be at the center of the biblical tension and we prayerfully collaborate, I think that'll end up ending up bringing us to a place where, where maybe we are in the most ideal position. Uh, or where we are able to lead the church in, in within God's ideal design. That would be that would be the answer that I would give, or that would be sort of the things I would say if I were one of the elders in that room discussing that and, and having having those sorts of dialogues.
Again, I value women tremendously. I've, I've had multiple women on the podcast. In fact, uh, several of the first few interviews were women that I had invited on the podcast to, to, to speak and teach here on the podcast to you, the listener. And I feel like that's perfectly appropriate. So I certainly value women. I think women should have a huge role in terms of influence in the local church, leadership in the, in, in the, in the local church. Uh, and I believe that men and women should be working together, that the men should be sacrificial and generous in how they lead women so that the women can flourish in using their giftings for the betterment of the body of Christ. That, that is ultimately my position on those sorts of topics. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you hate everything I've said or you disagree and you want to challenge me, I would love to get an email from you. Please feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you're someone listening to this and you want me to maybe clarify something, I'd also love to hear from you. Or if you have a question or a topic that's completely unrelated, but you want me to address maybe on a future episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear from you as well. Feel free to shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at Theology for the rest of us.com. Hey, if you want to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. I love the tweet. Connect with me there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Reminder, check out my other podcast, the Student Ministry Podcast. You can find it on the web, studentministrypodcast.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.